0: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is David with Prep Consulting Co. Joined with my co-host for all eternity, my beautiful Lisa. And tonight we're going to be focusing on kitchen must-haves to be more self-reliant in the kitchen. We're assuming that uh, you already have a lot of the basics. And... What we want to help you do is to take it up to the next step. So we have been talking about food and food preservation and how to save money by buying things when they're on sale and cheap and how and where to get them. And tonight we want to dive into some of the practical things that you'll need to have on hand so that you can use, store, and have this food ready for you when you want it. Some of the things that we're assuming you already have is basic measuring cups, measuring spoons, some Tupperware, some, a couple mixing spoons, a cookie sheet or two, a cutting board, a one or two quart saucepan, and a couple of knives. But we're going to help you go over a list of things that you need to have to take it to the next level so you're ready for your food preparation, your food storage. And when you can buy things cheap and stack them deep, you'll have tools to use and store them so you're not wasting that food as it goes bad, and you'll have a simpler today for a better tomorrow.
1: So when we were making this list, we looked at things that we were using most often or that were the most helpful to us while we were cooking. And the things that made the list, I use pretty much daily, and if not daily, weekly.
0: Or multiple times a week, for sure.
1: And they are things that either... I use a ton or they just make life so much simpler. They are worth having. So if you are going to take your kitchen to the next level, if you want to start cooking from scratch more, if you want to start doing more food preservation, if you want to start cooking with food storage type things or just cooking from scratch more, these are the things that are going to make your life easier. And some of these
0: things um, are a little bit of an investment um,
1: a lot, several
0: of them though are definitely less expensive and you, and that's totally fine and great. A lot of these things you can thrift, whether it's from Facebook Marketplace or Craigslist or out here in the West. In some of our states, we have KSL Classifieds. Uh, You talk to your neighbors and get some. You can check out estate and yard sales. And again, thrift stores, whichever one are near you. Uh, Savers out here, we have Deseret Industries thrift stores and a bunch of others. So there's a lot of different options for where you can get some of these pretty inexpensive. The first one that we're going to be starting with is good mixing bowls. Uh, We really like plastic ones that have a lip and a handle to hold on to and definitely a pour spout as you're transferring food from one container to another. Having even just a a hint of a spout is a lot better than none at all just because it makes it so much easier to transfer that food without spilling
1: so much of it. I like to have plastic bowls. I've tried to use glass or ceramic because they're pretty but at the end of the day plastic with that little handle is just so much easier and when i'm constantly lifting them off the counter into the cupboard uh, the plastic is the way to go for me just take
0: note because sometimes the cute factor doesn't win out and that is okay
1: but i'd like to point out i still have some cute bowls for those few times that i do (laughs) really want to use one I have a small size. It's probably about two quarts, a a medium one that's about six quarts, and then one that's probably eight or maybe a little bit bigger. And I use the six and two quart size the most, probably the six quart most of all. So if you just want to get one, start with that. And I actually have two sets of mixing bowls because the set that I, I have, that's actually my favorite, I got from Family Dollar when I went to college. It's a really cheap set of three bowls. That is just the best. And yeah, I definitely use the six
0: quart the most as well because I'm the breakfast guy. I do my best to try and wake up early and make breakfast for the family every day. And for three tiny kids, three little kids, and the two of us, the six quart is just the go to. It is hands down the most used. We use both of those on a very regular basis.
1: So if you're tight on space or tight on money, just get a six quart. If you want to just start off basic, get one set of three bowls from family dollar. If you're going to start doing more canning or food preservation, get two sets because there's definitely lots of times when we need all the bowls. Just start with cheap sets. It's great. The next thing is a six quart oven safe pot. And a lot of times this is the classic enameled Dutch oven, you know, beautiful pot that you see, but it doesn't have to be. You can just get those cheaper enameled pots, you can get even just a stainless steel pot as long as the lid can withstand up to 500 degrees and it, it can go in the oven.
0: So basically you have to make sure for your metal pots that it doesn't have plastic handles, any plastic on the lid, things like that. Cause obviously that's a no-no when you're putting it in a 500 degree oven.
1: But if you have one that has a metal handle as well and you can put the whole thing in the oven, that works great and actually has a lot of benefits because it's lighter the the cast iron is obviously heavy we have another one that
0: has a glass top with a metal handle and that's worked so far very it, well
1: yeah it's a stock pot and that's what i used to use to make bread whether it's like the no need artisan bread or sourdough bread before i got an enameled dutch oven i would just use that stock pot to bake them in the oven i use this 6 quart size every single day. You know, if I'm making up taco meat, if I'm making up soup, if I need to saute a bigger batch of something, if I'm doing, you know, just bigger batches of anything, like, you know, oatmeal, whatever, I use that pot every single day. I'm baking bread as well. I'm That's what I bake my sourdough in. It's really nice because it is so versatile. It's It's a good size for just so many basic things. So that's a definite must-have. And if anyone knows of a really good six-quart stainless steel pot, I'm I'm looking for one of those because I actually a lot of times use two. I'll have my Dutch oven going, and I'll also be needing... We have like a really cheap Teflon old old...
0: second hand that I got from my sister, the one with 10 kids that we love. She gave that to me years ago, and it's about reached the end of its life. Yeah,
1: I, I need a replacement, but I I like having the Dutch oven and a lighter version stainless steel, so if you see a really great stainless steel one, let us know. The next thing that we use, that we don't always use this, but when we need to use it, there's no substitution. You just have to have it, is a large stock pot, and I did not look and see how big it is, but we're talking the classic... 12 inches tall stock about 12 quarts 12 quarts okay
0: because that's when uh one of the things we use for it is we keep bees and i feed my bees in the late fall especially sometimes in the spring and that's where i mix up sugar water which is one pint per pound of sugar it's a one-to-one ratio and i'll make up You know, I have both of our big stock pots going to make up several gallons at a time just because that's more efficient with the bees and how I feed them. But yeah, there is definitely no substitute for having at least one giant stock pot that just helps so much with food preservation and large batches.
1: And like you just mentioned, we do have two large stock pots as well as two six quart pots. So these pots are, I'm realizing a big part of what we use and do in our kitchen but for canning whether you're making up a huge batch of jam or you just need to have a lot of water or salsa or whatever like having a big pot tonight I actually made tomato soup from tomatoes our neighbor gave us hallelujah because our garden totally failed us in most every department including tomatoes and making a a really big batch of tomato soup was so easy because i could just throw it all in that pot and let it simmer and then i blended it up and then all the extra is going in our freeze dryer so we can have garden fresh tomato soup all year long and we don't have to worry about the whole mess and hassle of canning it which is amazing but i digress um another great thing that a large stock pot is good for is making bone broth so if you or vegetable broth if you just want to let that simmer on your stove. It takes a long time to do it on the stove top, but if you don't have other things that we're going to talk about later, it's a great option. Or if you're just wanting to start with the basic pot or have a minimalistic kitchen, having a big stock pot is great. We have one that's just a stock pot and we have another one that has kind of a colander insert. I don't know if that type of pot has a special name, but it it is meant to fit together. And that's really nice for if you are doing bone broth and you just put all the bones and stuff in that colander and then fill everything up with water when you're done you just pull the bones and everything out and put it in the sink you don't have to try and dump it out it works great if you're making large batches of pasta like for a big group and then you don't have to try and dump it into the colander to drain it so that is a nice feature if you're going to have two or if you're going to have one get one that has that because then it has double use.
0: And as far as making the broth goes, this is the this is the beginning of the season, right? Uh, at least here in Utah, we're getting down this next week, we'll have a few days that the high is in the mid forties. This is the time where it's it's nice to have something delicious smelling on your stove boiling for, you know, hours at a time. So tis the season, ladies and gentlemen.
1: The next thing that I use pretty much daily is our Blend Tech blender. And I know they're expensive and I know people are going to be like, really, does it make that much of a difference? Do we really need to spend $500 on a blender or how much are they these days? I don't even know. Uh, Depending
0: on sales and Costco, Costco has them on sale quite a bit and I think I've seen them for around even 150 fifty-ish. What at Costco on sale over the last couple of years when Get we that. sneak in there check out our previous episodes for how we get into Costco without well, a membership yeah and and we're we're legal okay we're good <laughs> And uh, she says some people think these are expensive, and she may or may not be referring to me because this was definitely an ongoing discussion when we were poor, starving college students of how important it is to have a a high-speed blender versus a 50-cent one we could get at a local thrift store. And we went back and forth and back and forth, and so we agreed that her Mother's Day present one year was going to be this Blendtec.
1: That was actually my first Mother's Day present because that was the first year I was actually a mother for Mother's Day. That was when Ella was born.
0: Yeah. And okay, so I did get her something on previous Mother's Days, <laughs> but this was her first as a mother. Okay. And uh anyway, and yes, I am very pleased to share that we have gotten great use out of it over the last seven and a half years. And so I'm glad when we made this investment, which it very much is, that uh, the investment's gotten used. And again, that goes back to our whole philosophy with this of using the stuff you have, eat what you store and store what you eat so so you get the blessings of having it and the joy of having it and everything that comes with it.
1: I do a lot of soups and batters that go in the Blendtec and then also smoothies. And our family has this somewhat infamous smoothie recipe that has cabbage and carrots and garbanzo beans and apples and a lot of things that just are not going to blend up well in any other type of blender. And also, we have our nacho cheese sauce, which I know some people have made it successfully. Wait, wait,
0: wait, time out. You're combining these families. I don't, I love Lisa's family, but I'm not putting my, lumping myself in with the group that does the cabbage smoothies. That's not part of where I came from, and that's not what I do. But this blender does work very well for it. But uh, you definitely have to, uh, I don't know, trick yourself into eating it or something.
1: It's a developed taste. You have to have a sophisticated palate to...
0: And there's good reason for it, right? So Lisa's family has a long history, and actually mine does too, but thankfully I don't have it yet, uh, of different uh, Crohn's disease and IBS and whatnot. So this type of food is amazing
1: for your guts. Inflammatory bowel disease is actually Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis. IBS is something different. Just technical there.
0: Thanks, registered dietitian. Anyway, so... I'm sure you wanted to know all that. But yeah, having a high-speed blender like a Blendtex, Vitamix is great too. Those are kind of the two top competing brands.
1: Okay, wait, you cut me off of the most oh, important sorry. part though.
0: Okay, my
1: bad. Vegan nacho cheese sauce.
0: We do love vegan nacho cheese sauce. No, we're not vegan, but this one's definitely a winner. We have it at least once a week in the summer.
1: It's made out of potatoes and carrots. And anyway, it's amazing. It's the best nacho cheese sauce. I like it better than any other, like actual nacho cheese sauce I've ever had. And the recipe does say it does better in a high speed blender, but we do have friends that I'm pretty sure don't have a high speed blender and they have made it and it turns out well.
0: Okay. You, so for some of the recipes, you may have a slightly more fibrous. Uh, texture but yeah hopefully it turns out good we've loved our blend tech our next one and this one is definitely another investment uh, an investment that if you're making your own food and being budget friendly will definitely pay itself off and that's a wheat mill or a wheat grinder because when you buy wheat berries or wheat that's what the individual kernels are called or berries and you need some way to turn them into flour this is what you use, is your wheat mill. We have the Nutri mill and it is just, it's wonderful. Okay, we've tried some other ones over the years, and this one's nice where you just save up and invest in a good electric mill.
1: There's a lot of different designs, but when we were looking, uh, I think... Doesn't your sister have this one where it's the Wonder Mill? Yeah, where so the Wonder in...
0: Mill is, again, one of the top competitors, and it's a great mill. It's just not as compact.
1: So it, it has two parts. It has, like, the grinder hopper that you put the wheat in, and then it has a small tube that connects it to where you actually put the, like, Which the flour. Which looks like goes... a
0: large Tupperware bin that connects it, So and then you can separate the two.
1: But, but you have to connect it with this little tiny tube. And then if you're trying to move it, you have to move both parts separately because they're big enough. You need both hands to move each one. I didn't like that design. So the NutriMill, it's one big, tall unit. And the bin that stores the flour pulls out separately by itself. So I can leave it sitting at the bottom of my pantry and just pull out the flour and set that on my counter. And then when I need to grind wheat, it's easy to carry the whole thing in one load to the counter to grind wheat. So
0: the flour hopper fits inside the mill. So it's self-contained, but it's easy to separate and use. Very user-friendly, very kitchen counter space friendly too.
1: Yeah, it's tall and bulky. And I personally don't have a lot of counter space and I wouldn't want to keep it on my counter because it's not cute. There is one that's super cute that's made out of wood. And it's like $500. What is it? The Pleasant Hill Grain Mill. Anyway, something. Yeah, cute it's, is not it's that a, important. It's adorable. I love it. If I was going to get a cute thing, that's what I would get. But for practicality, this one's the best. I have seen another one that is more compact and easier to move that my parents have, which I don't even know if that company is still in business because it had a major design flaw of over time, the seal would click quickly wear out and then... As you are grinding wheat, flour dust would go everywhere and it was next to impossible to put a new seal on successfully. So while that one was more compact, definitely some problems with it.
0: So yeah, we we like the Nutramil. For a lot of the stuff, we'll have affiliate links in the show notes, but definitely something that we use a lot. And there's just so many health benefits if you eat wheat to having whole wheat versus white flour, Um, just the fiber, and there's so many good things. That's a whole other podcast, though.
1: And the taste is a lot better if you
0: do fresh meals And way more filling. But anyway, like I said, a whole nother podcast. Another great thing to have is quality knives. Um, I am very frugal with most things. There's one thing that I refuse to go totally cheapo on, and that is quality knives. There's a lot of really good brands. Um... Generally, for a chef knife style knife, for a quality knife, you're looking at around 20 to $30 or more. Um, my sister, who's a chef, she really likes Mercer knives, and someday we aspire to getting those. One of the great things about getting quality knives is you can generally buy them one at a time so you can budget out for them over time buy a parry knife here utility knife there chef knife here and just kind of build up your stock of quality knives without breaking the bank by having to buy a full set all at once
1: and we do have one really nice knife was the Wusthof? Is that?
0: Yeah, I think. And you have to be careful because the Wusthof had like a cheaper line and then a nicer line. And we ended up getting a 10-inch chef knife, which is pretty long. And it comes in very handy in the summer when we're doing watermelons or in harvest time when we have a giant squash or something like that.
1: We also have their kitchen shears and I love them. They just, they work really great. They separate to wash, go back together easily. They're just... My favorite, and I use them all the time. But getting back to which knives you should get if you are getting knives, the small santoku, it's probably, what, six-inch blade? It's, yeah. I use that a lot. That's just my go-to. I'm chopping up something quick like a pepper or apples. It's just like one little thing that I'm chopping up. I reach for that more than anything else.
0: And Santoku is the shape of the blade. It's a chef knife, so it's a higher knife that kind of
1: has a rounded nose. So just FYI. And then we also have an 8-inch chef knife, which is if I'm doing bigger projects, if I'm cutting large amounts of things, that's what I always reach for. And then we have... About
0: 3- to 4-inch parry knife.
1: Yeah, and, and that's another thing that we use a lot obviously a bread knife to go with all the sourdough we like to make and then those kitchen shears I was talking about. If you are trying to just get a few knives and you want to buy the best quality but have it be ones that you are going to use a lot, those are the ones that we use every day. Another thing if you're going to be doing a lot of baking or cooking from scratch is getting silicone mats for your cookie sheets which are technically jelly roll pans but that's another story. Silicone mats just make cleaning up so much easier. If you are doing something a little bit messy or sticky, like if you want to do roasted vegetables with some type of honey glaze or something, it would be a huge pain to get it off of the cookie sheet. But if you have the silicone mats, it just comes off so easy. Even if you're just doing something like baking bread or cookies, it just makes cleanup so much easier. And I was kind of skeptical, but someone gave them to me as a gift and they are totally worth it. Like I, I probably should buy some more because I have more cookie sheets than I do silicone mats. And I honestly only want to We We avoid
0: using (laughs) the
1: cookie sheets now without the
0: mats on it. They're so much easier to clean up. Yeah, it's great.
1: Another thing that I really like having that I only recently got into is cast iron skillets. I was really hesitant to get into cast iron because it just seemed high maintenance and complicated. Definitely
0: appears intimidating at first because you
1: don't use
0: soap and water to clean them. There's a whole different process.
1: Which actually, now that I've had them for a year, in some ways easier because as long as you get the junk off,
0: it's a lot easier cuz once you just scrape off the large food
1: particles, then there's not scrub there's not as much scrubbing involved. And even if I have something that's really really messy, like if I do baked beans and it's kind of baked on there and messy, I will just heat up water in it and then dump off the boiling water and then just scrape it out and it comes out so easy. You just have to make sure it's totally dry, rub a little oil in. It it is a lot simpler than it seems but having about a nine or a 10 inch skillet with deep sides like three inches deep and then having a big 12 inch that's just a standard skillet with the shorter sides i find to be the best combination like if you have those two you can do just about anything you want to do um i kind of want to have one of those big like 12 inch round griddles but that is mainly just because of nostalgic swedish pancakes growing up i do just find just having those two skillets And having the smaller one be deeper is good if you want to fry something. And then obviously having a bigger one if you're doing pancakes and things like that. They're very heavy duty. You can use them obviously stovetop, but you can take them outside and use them on a camp stove, which is you can't do that with everything. We literally it was it was supposed to be a camping set of cookware, but we took it out on was it just like a propane?
0: Yeah, it was just a propane camp stove totally melted through it.
1: Totally. We're trying to like do a little family camp out with our kids just like a an evening in the mountains and then David was going to stay with the older kids while I took the younger ones home and yeah our cookware totally melted in the mountains. We're like, well, we didn't see that coming. This was supposed to be camping cookware.
0: It was just super lightweight aluminum. But anyway, cast iron, you're definitely good to go with it. Super heavy duty. Fire,
1: you can take it from the stovetop and put it in the oven. It's just very versatile. And then another thing that's nice about it.
0: Well, real quick, with the putting it in the oven, there's some foods that just taste better and have a better texture being cooked in the cast iron because it gives them a nice crust all the way around. One of the things I love... Baking in cast iron is cornbread Mm, and then lather it with some honey butter.
1: That is true. I'll be
0: back after I go and eat some.
1: That's true. Um, Another great thing about cast iron is because it is cast iron, iron leaches off when you're cooking with it, especially if you're doing something acidic like tomato based. And then that helps increase the amount of iron in your diet, which can be a problem for especially women. So that's one nice nutritional side benefit of cast iron.
0: Another thing that we love to use, which it did, it took us a little while to get this, even though it's rather inexpensive.
1: I just didn't think I would use it. I just was like, whoever is going to use this, I'm going to pull it out like five times a year. What's the point?
0: Was a digital scale. And I think that was another thing you got for Christmas or your birthday or something.
1: It was because I got a Deliciously Ella cookbook and Deliciously Ella is a blogger and now entrepreneur who does plant-based recipes and she is in London. And so all of her cookbooks, when they first come out, they come out to the UK and they are all with grams and milliliters. So I got one of her cookbooks right when it came out, but I needed the digital scale so I could actually make them and know the grams.
0: And it's turned out to be useful for a lot of things. When you talk to a lot of chefs, a lot of the things that they make in mass are all by weight as well. So it, it has turned out to be really nice and I use it for my honey when I'm measuring out honey to sell and things like that and lots of other things. It's been really nice. And
1: with baking and even cooking, it is so nice because bread baking especially, you just have one bowl, you put it on the scale, you measure out the flour, hit tear, measure out the water, hit tear, measure out the salt. like One bowl... Is all you get dirty. No measuring spoons, which is amazing. And same thing when you're cooking like a curry or something and you're weighing out ingredients. It, it's just so much easier. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a win and you can get a nice
0: one for easy less than $20. The next one that we weren't sure if we would like it or not. And I think we definitely got the first one with some hesitancy was an instant pot. The or first one equivalent. we got as
1: a gift, actually.
0: Oh, that's right. But yeah, I'd been researching and talking about them for probably two years at that point. And then, yeah, we did get the first one as a gift.
1: I just didn't see the point. And we don't eat a lot of meat. And I feel like all the recipes that I see with instant pots have meat as the basis. And so I was like, I'm just never going to use this because I don't do that type of cooking. Yeah. So if you
0: don't know what an instant pot is, it's like an electronic pressure cooker, a slow cooker like a crock pot you can use it as a deep skillet you can even bake in it and do cake and tons of different things we mostly use it for the slow cooker and the electronic pressure cooking
1: yeah and i actually recently just got a second one because the one that we had was the Lux version which is the basic model and i really wanted to get the one that could make yogurt And so I just got an Instant Pot Duo, which ended up being an Instant Pot Duo Plus, which I don't actually even know what the benefits of that are. So (laughs) don't get one. It's not worth it. I can't figure out what the difference is.
0: I know what the difference is. It has a lot brighter screen. So when we do
1: overnight cooking, I have to put a towel on it or it lights up our whole house. (laughs) That is true. But using the Instant Pot Duo to make yogurt is so nice. It just makes it so simple. You don't even have to hardly think about it. Oh... One thing you do need if you make yogurt in your Instant Pot is a thermometer. So getting a digital thermometer is something I'd add in there. But making hard-boiled eggs, if you have farm-fresh eggs, we used to have chickens. We got rid of them. But um, when we had chickens, if you have ever tried to make a hard-boiled egg from farm-fresh eggs, it's impossible to peel them. You will just take off pretty much all all of the white you'll just be left with a yolk you cannot separate the two if you if you make them on the stovetop it's awful it makes you want to swear every time you try and peel them yeah so
0: for normal hard-boiled eggs they generally have to be about three weeks old i've had chickens almost my whole life and that seems about the sweet spot where they're easy to peel the traditional way of just boiling them
1: and if you get them from the store they have aged them for you but when you get them from the coop and then you try and make hard-boiled eggs it's a really aggravating process that anyway, I have we PTSD from, apparently.
0: <laughs> we digress again. The Instant Pot just makes it super easy, and they're easy to peel, even if they're fresh. Um, it's definitely the easiest way to cook. Uh Dried beans is pressure cooking them. And the thing we love about the Instant Pot is it's literally push button and walk away. It deals with all the pressures and all that stuff. You set how long you want it in if it's not pre-set in already and you just walk away.
1: And it's the best thing for cooking brown rice because of that. Because if you're cooking brown rice on the stove, it can take 45 minutes and you have to constantly babysit it. Where if you have it in the Instant Pot, not only does it turn out perfect every time, but you don't have to babysit it. And then also vegetable broth and bone broth It's the best because you just put it in there for an hour and a half, walk away. It goes automatically to a warm setting. So you can walk away and come back six hours later. And I do have a basket insert. Um, it's kind of like that colander concept again. And that is very helpful for if I'm doing like sweet potatoes and I want to put them in there and then just pull them out. Or if I'm doing broth, then I can just pull out all of the bones or vegetables and have the broth stay in the pot.
0: Now, one of the catches with the instant pot is if you buy it new from the store or offline, it is going to be a bit more of an of an investment. Anywhere between sixty to a hundred ish dollars is what we've seen them going for. However, uh, their resale value is pretty low, so we've seen them regularly for around $40 to $50 used, or at least...
1: For sure, always one is for $80, lots of times closer to $50.
0: Um, But we've definitely seen them for $20 and $30. I mean, you have to watch for them, but we've seen them repeatedly at that level. I think your brother got a brand new one in the box that just someone was selling for 20 25 Yeah, it was like 20
1: or 25 and I got my Duo for 30 or 20 I don't remember. I think it was
0: thirty. So again, you can get them used or just from someone who's reselling it new in the box for twenty, thirty dollars. Definitely worth it. Uh, the next thing that we've talked about in previous episodes quite a bit is the Berkey water filter. Uh, we just love it. It is applicable for so many areas of life, daily life, emergencies. And it makes your water delicious, and you know it's good. It is the world gold standard for water filtration is the Berkey water filter.
1: And if you are going to be doing sourdough and fermentation, you cannot have chlorinated or fluorinated water. It will kill all of the good bacteria and yeast that you're trying to get growing. And I was very struck by how little of the city water can totally ruin your sourdough because there would be a couple times where i was like a tablespoon or two short of bottled water when i first started doing sourdough bread and i was like oh i'll just I, like i have this water that's in a pitcher that's been sitting out i'm sure most of the chlorine is dissipated and it's only a tablespoon it will be fine and so i would put in a little bit of that tap water and even if it had been sitting out it would kill the bread dough Every time. So you
0: go from a delicious sourdough loaf to a flatbread real fast.
1: And I was shocked because as a dietitian, one of my favorite things is gut health and microbiome and all of the bacteria living in your intestines and how they affect your health. And a lot of our health problems come from not having enough bacteria, not having a a wide range of those bacteria. And I realized if you're drinking chlorinated and fluorinated water and it's doing that to my bread dough what is it doing to my inside so i decided we probably shouldn't be drinking that either (laughs) so
0: now we just use our Berkey for pretty much all of our drinking when we're at home
1: and bonus if you ever were in a natural disaster or if your water gets turned off you can filter pond water through it so
0: yep i've watched people take nasty scummy pond water throw it through there and drink it and it's just the same it's great Another one is glass jars, whether you're, and we're just talking about like canning jars. Mason jars. Yeah, mason jars um, and a variety of sizes for different things, whether you're storing dry goods in bulk or f- fermenting.
1: We use them for cups sometimes, or I'll just use them if I'm cutting out like biscuits or something and I, you don't have a...
0: A biscuit cutter.
1: Or you're making cookies or whatever, you could just do a glass jar. We use it a lot for storing our smaller amounts from our bulk food storage. And I have a cute shelf that has cute mason jars. And when you ask people who have been canning for their entire life, who got their canning supplies from their parents and grandparents who'd canned for their whole life, I have some really cool antique mason jars on my cute shelf. And again,
0: we talk about this in previous episodes about how you can get these jars for free. So... This is just another thing that you don't have to spend a lot of money on, and you can get quite a few of them. Along those lines, another thing is a canning jar funnel. We really like the nicer double-walled one. Again, we'll have one in the show notes and an affiliate link. The affiliate links don't cost anything extra for you. Um, It just gives us a couple cents uh, if you do it. so It helps out the show. We appreciate that. And so this double-walled one, it has a lip that goes outside the jar and inside the jar. And, and it
1: holds it in place because most of them just go in the jar they don't have that outer wall and then they kind of flop around
0: so anyway and i think it's like eight dollars for a nice double walled one and the other thing about it is it has the measurements for the head space or the air space that you leave when you fill it up with a liquid and that's really nice and just simplifies the process and it's less tools that you have to be looking for instead of a head gauge and it's just really nice The last thing that we have for upping your game is hard copies of recipes. Instead of always looking things up on your phone or your tablet, it's really nice just having a hard copy. Whether the power's out or the internet's down or whatever, you just have it. And the other nice thing is You're making your own emergency if you accidentally spill something on your phone or tablet. Would you rather have an accident and spill something on your phone or tablet or a piece of paper that you can just print off another copy? So we definitely recommend, and that's just nice to have. Things on hand, favorite recipes, once you've used it a time or two and you decided this one's definitely a keeper, print off a hard copy, put it in a book, however you want to organize it, but huge, huge help. So I hope some of these things have helped you if you're getting more into uh, more serious work in the kitchen. We've really loved going through and reviewing, and we hope and pray this is helpful for you. If you have any questions for us, feel free to look us up on Instagram at prepconsultingco or send us an email at david at com. And we appreciate all your time for giving us a listen. We pray that you'll have a good night. And just remember that when you're prepared, you won't fear. Thanks, and have a great night.